The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome members of our military who are joining us from abroad over the Internet. Thank you for being with us again. In just a moment, former New York City Police Commissioner, Mr. Bernard Carrick, will be joining the program to talk about his journey from heading up the Department of Corrections for New York City to Prisoner Behind Bars. Hold on to your hats because it's a riveting story that has changed Carrick's view on everything from prison reform, sanctuary cities and racial riots to prison escapes and long-term sentencing. But before Mr. Carrick joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Bernard Bailey Carrick was born in Newark, New Jersey and grew up in the city of Patterson. He dropped out of high school and joined the Army in 1974 and later received his GED and undergraduate degree from the Empire State College of the State, of University, State University of New York. Following his time in the Army, Carrick worked in security in Saudi Arabia and upon returning to the U.S. joined the Sheriff's Office in Cumberland County, North Carolina. By 1982, Carrick was back in his home state working for the Passaic County Sheriff's Office until he was recruited as Chief of Security for the King Faisal Hospital in Saudi Arabia. By 86, Carrick found himself working for the New York Police Department, where he rose to detective, and by 94, he was transferred to the Intelligence Division of the Department of Justice, where he began an important relationship with then-Mayor Rudolph Giuliani. Four years later... Carrick was appointed by Giuliani to Commissioner of the New York City Department of Corrections. He was responsible for a $835 million budget and 133,000 inmate admissions, including oversight of Rikers Island. Then in 2000, Carrick became the 40th Police Commissioner of New York City where he is credited with having led the nation in reducing crime. He was the commissioner during the 9-11 terrorist attacks. In 2003, President Bush appointed Carrick Interim Minister of Interior of Iraq during Operation Iraqi Freedom. With such a stellar history of achievements, you might think Carrick's rising star had no limits. But this is where his story takes an unexpected turn. And he's here today to talk about that turn and what led to the formation of the American Coalition of Criminal Justice Reform and his book, From Jailer to Jailed. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report, former Corrections and Police Commissioner for the City of New York, Mr. Bernard Carrick. Thanks for joining us today, Mr. Carrick. Thanks, Rebecca. So let's pick the story up where you are a rising star, even nominated for the position of Secretary of Homeland Security, and then things start to unravel. Tell us what happened. Well, I was nominated by uh, President Bush in uh, December of 2004 to take over the Department of Homeland Security, uh, a successor to Tom Rich, who created the department itself. And a week from the day uh, that I was actually nominated, I sent the president a letter um, withdrawing my name from consideration and advising him that I could no longer um, accept the nomination. And I explained to him and the rest of the country, I guess, that uh, I had a nanny, uh, a domestic servant, um, uh, for which uh, I didn't pay payroll tax um, for probably about two years, uh, my wife and I, uh, my children's nanny. And um, I didn't want that to buddy up my, my nomination, my confirmation process, 
and basically destroy uh, my career up until that point was pretty much impeccable for 30, 35 years. Now, did that kick open the door uh, to you being investigated on other tax issues? Well, basically what happened is that initiated, uh, that was the beginning of about a five-year span of uh, a torturous state and uh, in federal investigations. First, a state grand jury investigation that looked into some apartment renovations I had. Um, and after an 18-month grand jury investigation, they concluded that there were two ethics violations uh, that I had been, uh, that I had committed. Uh, one, accepting a gift, uh, as they put it, uh, from a contractor attempting to do business with the city. And something I forgot to put on a conflict of interest report, a personal loan. So I accepted responsibility uh, for the two ethics violations. They weren't felonies. They weren't misdemeanors. They were These were unclassified misdemeanors that were just ethics violations, uh, violations of the city charter and the, uh, the code of ethics for the city of New York. So I pled guilty. I paid a substantial fine. And I was told by the Bronx DA and everybody under the sun that that was the end of all of the turmoil and the investigations against me within about six, I guess about six or eight weeks, I learned that that wasn't exactly true, that the federal government had then taken my guilty plea in the ethics case and used that to justify a federal investigation against me that went on for another 18 months. Uh, And ultimately, in 2009, uh, I pretty much threw in the towel. I pled guilty to eight felony counts, primarily um, tax and false statements charges relating to my children's nanny, uh, tax charges relating to the uh, the apartment renovations, and some other tax issues, uh, tax errors that uh, the prosecutors turned criminal. Now, you don't use this word, and I want to be clear that this is not the terminology that uh, you would prefer to use, but uh, there was a bit of a witch hunt going on here. And uh, frankly, as you, as I traced the persecution of you, uh, it, 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 I, I just felt like you, they just wore you down, <laughs> basically. Who, who could put up a fight for that long? Uh, against that uh, that big of a bully. Now, as I understand it, the prosecution recommended 27 months of incarceration uh, for what was clearly not a dangerous crime, but the judge came down much harder on you. Yeah, I uh, uh, look at anybody that followed my trial uh, that was in the courtroom um, that uh, was there for, for the sentencing, the actual sentencing, it, it raises enormous questions uh, concerning selective and political prosecutions. Um, you know, just as we're seeing today, uh, you know, you take somebody like uh, General Petraeus, who I believe was was persecuted by a government that he, he you know, he, he risked his life for for his entire career. Um, and then you have this circumstance with Hillary Clinton that is far worse than anything Petraeus did. And there's no investigation. There's no subpoenas by justice. There's, you know, you have to wonder, um, you know, there's there's the selective prosecution stuff that that the government says doesn't happen. I promise you it does. And anybody that was involved in my case, anybody that's witnessed my case, they, they would understand it. They would see it. If you read my book, it's quite clear. And everything in my book is from actual transcripts from court. So, you know, you could call it a witch hunt. Uh, you can call it selective uh, prosecution. Uh, it's, it's all the same thing. And I can assure you in this country, it's alive and well. Well, that is the problem because the government has endless resources. And when it decides to single someone out and persecute them, uh, you know, there's really no end to it. And I don't think that uh, we can even begin to understand what it was like the first night in prison as you were facing four years. Uh, I, I I just think that had to have been the irony of all ironies. And, uh, and, and you know, what I want to do for the rest of the program is, is talk a little bit about how you put those four years to the best use possible, because I think that um, in some ways, and I'm going to talk about this in the second hour as well, the sentence that the judge should have given you 
right, which is to uh, devote your time to public service, which would have been infinitely more productive to society, was the sentence you gave yourself. And, uh, and I think that's an admirable thing. We have to take our first scheduled break. When we come back, we're going to find out what Carrick discovered when he became a prisoner. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you're wondering what to do with all that data you're creating, do I have an offer for you? Tableau is drag-and-drop software that people of any skill level can use to analyze and turn data into something actionable. That's right. I said actionable. And isn't that what all that data is for? With Tableau, you can connect to any data in virtually any format and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, even big data sources are instantly combined into usable charts, graphs, reports, and dashboards. People can analyze data and drag-and-drop drop at 10 times the speed of a traditional business intelligence system. But the most impressive thing about Tableau is that anyone can use it. And just to prove the point, you can get a free 14-day trial from Tableau just by mentioning you heard this ad. But do it now, because this offer won't last. For your free 14-day trial, visit Tableau at T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash Costa. That's Tableau.com slash Costa. Tableau Software. What's your data trying to tell you? I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, recent winners of the best sparkling wine in the U.S. in the Champagne and Sparkling Wine World Championship. Congratulations, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. So what is it about your Brute Cuvée that beat all the other competitors around the world? We really focus on creating an expression of the Santa Lucia Highlands and doing it the right way. And when you control the process from the beginning to the end and you have talent like Michelle and top-tier grapes, they really shine through. This was a worldwide competition. It was definitely a humbling experience. We were in a room with producers that have been making wine for over 100, 200 years and was a huge honor to have Tom Stevenson give us the best you Best Sparkling Wine Award. We fared really well overall. We had three wines win best of class, which was great. Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel by the Sea, or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone 831-622-7722. There's a 19-minute video that every American must see. Watch it for free at everyonewatchthis.com. Watch it as soon as you can. This video is a reality check on the dramatic transformation of Europe now going on as a direct result of unrestricted migration of Middle East refugees and terrorists. And how can you definitively tell one from the other? If you are on the fence about whether the U.S. should allow Syrian refugees to enter our country as an act of compassion and humanitarianism, go to everyonewatchthis.com and you will waver no longer. If you strongly favor the U.S. taking in these refugees, as does our president, watch the video at everyonewatchthis.com and you will change your mind. Wake up, America. What happened in Paris will soon become the way of life here in America unless we get smart fast. Down with politically correct stupidity. Restore common sense. Watch the video at everyonewatchthis.com. Get connected with one of California's most exciting business communities every Saturday from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. on Think Local First Radio. Join local business people as they host local business people for a conversation about doing business and staying in business in Santa Cruz County. This Saturday, join Dix Copatoni from Little Biz, Jill Salito from Modern Life, Matthew Swinnerton from Events Santa Cruz, or Sally Cat and Andrea from the Santa Cruz Food Lounge as they host some fascinating business people and true adventures from the Santa Cruz County business community. Think Local First Radio is brought to you by Sock Shop and Shoe Company at 1515 Pacific in downtown Santa Cruz. The first thing they look at is shoes. And if they see you in shoes and socks from Sock Shop and Shoe Company, they will look up to you. And also by Staff of Life Natural Foods Market at 1266 Soquel Avenue in Santa Cruz. Think Local First and eat local first by shopping a genuine Santa Cruz tradition. The original Staff of Life Natural Foods Market. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Bernard Carrick. Uh, so you're sentenced to four years, and, and when you get to prison, 
you find everything from violent murders to people who were arrested for fishing more than the legal limit. And they're serving the same amount of time, and they're all locked up together. Is that right? Well, let, let me, let me, I want to step back for one second, a second, Rebecca, because this is extremely important. And this is something you said earlier, you know, how once you become a target of the, the Justice Department, it's impossible um, it to, uh, it, maybe you didn't use these words, but I'll say it. It is impossible to really get justice when you're on the receiving side. And, and there's a reason for that, and that is that you don't, unless you're somebody like Bill Gates or you're Carlos Slim or you're Donald Trump, you don't have the money um, to defend yourself. And, and what I've come to learn very quickly is that without money, you don't have the constitutional rights that you think you do. Um, you know, my legal bills were 100, 150, 100, 200,000 a month. And in October of 2009, the actual month that I, I gave up and I, I I basically pled guilty. My legal bill for that one month, this is for a 30-day period, my bill was $476,000. So unless you're a multi-billionaire, you don't have the money to really defend yourself because the government will wear you down, rip you to shreds in the court of public opinion, um, you know, prevent you from earning an income, lock up all your finances as best they can to the point that eventually you have no choice but to give up. So I, I want to make sure that, that your, your listeners understand that because when you watch some of these, these criminal cases and you see somebody basically, you know, they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting, they're going to trial and all of a sudden they give up and plead guilty. A lot of times I can tell you it's not because they're guilty. They're done. They're fried. They're out of money. They can't do it anymore. You know, they don't want their families living in the street. Um, and it's really a business decision. So I, I wanted to get that out of the way. Well, I think that's an important point to make. And I'm going to take it even a, a, a point further. And that is, I don't think there is a, a an American alive that if the government decided to go after and try to find something to put them in prison could escape that i i i I, they came after me they i I know they'd find something you 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 go on a witch hunt like that with those kind of resources first of all you're right i couldn't afford to defend myself i devastate my family by doing it but number two you're going to find something and and ignorance by the way is not a defense ignorance is not a defense uh the, the days of you having to have criminal intent um are no longer, uh, you know, I I was with actually with people in prison that had no idea what they did wrong. Uh, they didn't know anything. I was with a guy that I, I was with a guy that sold a whale's tooth on eBay and uh, was became a convicted felon for selling a whale's tooth on eBay. Um, so I can assure you. Um, there's plenty of uh, circumstances where you may not know what you're doing wrong. You've done something, and if they want to prosecute you, they can. But I can assure you, I don't care how slick you are. I don't care how sharp your lawyers are. I don't care how squeaky clean you think you are. Give me the scrutiny and subpoena power of a United States prosecutor and a stack of subpoenas, and I promise you I can indict you. And from that point forward... Your life is completely changed from what you know it to be today. And I, and I just want to say one other thing here. If I thought the prosecution was recommending 27 months, I would make the right business decision. And instead of spending $400,000 a month on legal bills that I would probably have to continue fighting for the next 10 years, I'd take the 27 months. Well, in, in my case, I, I had a choice. Now, my, you didn't get uh, the 27 months. You got four years. Well, I got, I got four years, but it, it could have been even worse, and here's why. My judge had decided, and he, as he said, he was inclined to disqualify my legal team because somebody on my, one of my attorneys had sent a, an email to the Washington Times exposing what we believe to pro, be prosecutorial misconduct, where State investigators had suborned perjury. They ordered an inspector general to falsify his testimony against me. Um, witnesses were being threatened. Um, 
attorney send an email to the Washington. I didn't have it, but he sent it to the Washington Times. And um, as a result, uh, the judge remanded me, revoked my bail, put me in prison, and basically said, you're going to stay there until, um, you know, I'm, I'm inclined to disqualify your legal team now. And then I would have to wait for new lawyers to get up to speed, which could have been up to a year, 18 months. And um, I didn't have any more money. So it, it is basically a business decision. You know, I could I could have sold my house um, and got rid of it in, in just about everything I owned to keep fighting this fight. But I already knew the enemy I was fighting and I knew the chances were slim. So, you know what, G- give me, give me, what are you going to give me? Go. And I told my, my uh, attorneys, you know, figure out what they want. Uh, they came back with 27 to 33 months. And the same judge that was inclined to disqualify my legal team, who ironically, uh, you know, I sat in a courtroom where he's, where he's saying he's going to, uh, my lawyers have a conflict and I need a new lawyer. Um, he then tried to get me to retain and speak to his mentor, his friend, and somebody that trained him, who he said was one of the best attorneys in the nation. He's trying to sell me on his lawyer. Oh, brother. So I, was, I, I felt like I was in a nightmare. and uh, You were. So You were in a nightmare. I, you were trapped I, on all sides. I was uh, I, I was sentenced to prison. I went to four, for 48 months. Uh, I served three years and 11 days. And here's, here's where my mindset with regard to the system changed dramatically. And, and I want to be very clear. I put a lot of people in prison, bad guys that did bad things, people that tried to kill me, people that killed men I work with, uh, people I seized tons of cocaine from, millions in drug proceeds, terrorists, really bad guys. And then I went to prison. And I met 18 and 19 year old uh, black men out of Baltimore. First time, low level, nonviolent drug offenders, 15 years, 10 years, sentences. Um, I met young men that enhanced their income on a mortgage application by their first home. They never missed a payment, they were never late on a payment. They increase their income on a mortgage application because they couldn't get the loan otherwise. So they get the loan, they buy the house. Their their you know their life is in you know moving ahead, moving forward. And the government comes in, looks at their taxes, and says, "You didn't make eighty thousand a year. You made uh, you know you, you didn't make a hundred thousand a year. That's on your mortgage application. You made eighty. So uh, that's tax fraud. I mean that's wire fraud. That's." Uh, you know, bank fraud, mortgage fraud, uh, uh, mail fraud, and money laundering. Five, four or five counts, you know, because some guy's trying to buy a house. Right, right. Now, we're going to have to take another uh, hard break here, uh, but I think the point that you're making is, despite the hardened criminals that you were responsible for putting into prison once you got there, uh, you discovered that uh, it was the population was very mixed, including a fellow who sold a whale's tooth on eBay. We're going to take this short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Costa Report. Biodiversity is the very fabric of our lives. It is everything around us, all of nature. But human impact is diminishing biodiversity at an alarming rate. And because of that, The intricate web of biodiversity is unraveling in ways we don't fully understand, and our world is becoming less resilient. That's why we are biodiversity advocates. We're the E.O. Wilson Biodiversity Foundation. Guided by the greatest living naturalist, E.O. Wilson, we champion research and education that expands our understanding of biodiversity and informs worldwide conservation efforts. The E.O. Wilson Biodiversity Foundation is building a movement of environmental stewards like you who share our sense of responsibility for the living world that is our home. Join us in our quest to protect biodiversity, the fabric of our lives. Visit eowilsonfoundation.org. Hello, Charles Friedman here at Watsonville's Auto Row, where the way things used to be is the way things are. What do Watsonville Auto Center small-town values mean for you? Let's ask Melvin Cooper, 
owner-operator of Chevrolet of Watsonville. And the reason the Watsonville Auto Center is such a value-added niche in our community is because we're the most established auto center in the Central Coast, and we all buy our vehicles from the same manufacturer for the same price points across the entire state of California. The thing that makes us unique in the Watsonville Auto Center is being that we're most established. We have very low overhead, which allows us to add additional savings onto our customers and pass on those savings to the community. And that's how we've maintained and earned the right to be, for example, the number one Chevy dealer on the Monterey Bay. November is 0% financing month at Watsonville Auto Center. That's right, 0% up to 75 months on select new cars at each dealer. Don't wait. Take the short drive to the way things used to be and save big at Watsonville Auto Center just off Highway 1 at Main Street and Auto Center Drive. Hey, Patricia. I heard you were setting up a new home office. Yeah, Sam, I've been staring at this home office for dummies book for hours, and I still can't figure out the difference between a LAN and a WAN. We'll call user-friendly computing. They can help you set up an internal home network. But what about my wireless printer? What about it? They have all the answers to your network, workstation, or internet problems. They even provide outsourced IT for businesses big or small. User-friendly computing provides professional guidance to you for new computer purchases or network configurations. They also provide on-site professional support to your staff for everyday computer and network issues. User-friendly computing is locally owned at 505 River Street across from the Gateway Plaza. Or you can give them a call at 831-423-9653. That's 831-423-9653. Jungle Plant brings the lush outdoors into your home or office with plants that always look their best. Jungle Plant owner Dale Crable provides quality indoor foliage and a nurturing plant service throughout Santa Cruz and Monterey counties. Jungle Plant is mobile and comes right to you. Services include plant rental, a guaranteed weekly maintenance program, vacation care, and plants for gift arrangements. Call to schedule a free consultation. 831-462-5806 or visit jungleplant.com They've come back to KOMY for another exciting season of hockey. Here's Marta with speed on the left. Makes the move on Petrovic in front. Back hits up. He scores! A spectacular goal by Patrick Marta as he blasted his way in. Afterburners flying. The Sharks are up 3-1 and Patrick Marto has his fourth of the year. Don't miss the next exciting San Jose Sharks game on KOMY AM 1340. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us today, my guest is former police commissioner of New York City, Bernard Carrick. Now, the population in the United States represents about 5% of the world's overall population, yet we have the distinction of having 25% of all the prisoners in the world. Now, I'm a scientist, and so I, I like to go by what the data tells us. And from this perspective, Mr. Carrick, you, you and I are in agreement that locking up a person who's caught with a nickel-sized bag of cocaine for 5 and 8 and 15 years is not going to do a whole lot to rehabilitate them. In fact, there's no evidence that locking folks up does anything other than keep them away from society. So to your point, if they aren't a danger to society, as in your case, why are we locking them up? And more importantly, what would you recommend we do with lawbreakers who let's say, overfish the ocean or fail to accurately report their income to the IRS? Well, there's, there's a couple things, you know, in addition to this. And I want, I want your, your listeners to, to focus on this for a second. We are taking people in this country and we are turning them into criminals for ethics violations, for civil violations, and for regulatory violations. Hunters that go hunting, that use the wrong permit or shoot the wrong animal or use the wrong ammunition, we turn them into convicted felons. And what we do when we do that is we take them out of the workforce because they can't get a job. 70, 80% of their workability is then diminished because they're now a convicted felon. We're taking um, people to violate ethics rules. We turn that into criminal conduct. 
we take the commercial fishermen, a regulatory issue, turn them into criminal conviction, uh, criminal conduct. Um, we are doing this at rates that is astonishing, and we are creating a permanent underclass of American citizens. And I know there's people out there that say, well, people, you know, they, they, they commit the crime, um, they got to do the time, and they have to be punished. Well, first of all, these aren't crimes. These are, these are civil violations and regulatory issues and administrative issues and, and ethical issues. They're not criminal conduct. Well, how, do you mind yeah. if I interrupt you and ask you, how did they become crimes? Because you have prosecutors that turn them into crimes, that make them criminal, make this criminal conduct. And that's a problem with our federal laws today. We have so many laws on the books that are taken uh, by U.S. prosecutors and turned into criminal conduct, that it's bizarre. That's why those numbers nationally, that's why they're so high. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we have more people in prison in this country than China and Russia. How's that possible? How is it physically possible? It shouldn't be. You know, we're not a nation of, of uh, you know, a nation of uh, thugs. You know, it's just bizarre. Well, what do you say to people who say we have overcrowding and we have more of a prison population because we're less tolerant of corruption, that we crack down a lot harder? And that's why we've got more more than Russia and and, uh, China. You know, I I don't uh, I don't buy the argument. And, And I guess here's the here's the thing that differentiates me from those people. I was once those people. I was once on that side of the fence until I went on the inside. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, nobody in the whole history of the United States with my background, my experience, or more importantly, my success in running two of the largest law enforcement organizations in this country, the largest, nobody has ever been inside. And now that I've been inside, now that I've been a target of the federal criminal justice system, Now that I've lived inside a prison, I can tell you that the system is completely broken. We are incarcerating way too many people. All those guys, all those young, you know, first-time nonviolent offenders you're talking about, 10 years and 15 years, I know by some delusion somebody thinks that, you know, they deserve what they get and we should just put them in prison. But I don't think what they realize, you took a nonviolent kid, a young man, you took a nonviolent first-time offender, you stick him in prison, and you know what you do? Out comes a real hardened thug. He's learned how to steal, cheat, lie, manipulate, con, gamble. Most importantly, here's, here's, what, here's the mentality he comes out of prison with. If you get into a verbal altercation with me, I've got to beat you to a pulp or I've got to cut you up. Because that's what you learn in prison. That's what prison is all about. It's a training ground for thuggery and criminality. Is that really what we want? And on the bigger side, you take all these people out of the workforce, you create this permanent underclass of American society. Well, guess what you're doing? You are diminishing your taxable income because these people can't get jobs. It didn't cost the American taxpayer 30000 a year to keep Bernard Carrick in prison. And I am by no means a violent person. I'm, a, I'm not a threat to society. You know, my violations were civil and ethical issues. Um, you put me in prison, and the government will say it costs 30000 a year. That's a complete lie. It costs you, Rebecca, and the American taxpayers about a million and a half dollars a year to keep me in prison, because that's what I was making before. And I can assure you, whatever I didn't pay in taxes, I spent on the economy, which I haven't done that in years now. Now, I have mentioned in the introduction that you founded the American Coalition of Criminal Justice Reform. It's a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization, and you've identified four key areas that need to be addressed. And to this point, uh, we've been mainly talking about the first one, which is reduction in the prison population, and also a little bit about modernization, which includes reexamining these what you call draconian sentencing guidelines and the and the federal criminal code. So let's let's talk about this third area of reform because it's an important one as well. Accountability. Tell us what you mean by that. Well, accountability in our courts, 
Um, you, you know, there's no, probably, there's no more important job in the United States criminal justice system than that of a United States prosecutor, of a state prosecutor. It's probably one of the most important jobs in our country because you have to seek justice. You have to ensure that people are held accountable. But you also have to live within the guidelines of the law. And increasingly across this country, we are seeing daily, if you, if you Google this on a daily basis, prosecutorial misconduct and judicial misconduct, in, by increasing numbers, you're seeing this across the board, across the country. You cannot break the law that you're sworn to uphold to enforce it. You can't suborn perjury um, in, other, in order to convict someone in a court. You can't extort testimony. Um, you can't suppress evidence. You know, all these things are being done by U.S. prosecutors, and I'm not saying all of them, but there is a lot, number one, and number two, it's constantly increasing, and there's no accountability when they do it. You've got to hold inmates accountable. Um, you've got to hold other people accountable while prosecutors have to be held accountable, too. Um, so, so that's an issue. We put people in prison. Um, we want them rehabilitated, but once they get in there, we do absolutely nothing for them. They get no life improvement skills. They get no real programs. We need real reduce, re recidivism reducing programs. And, and I'll, give, I'll give you some comical examples of the adult continuing education classes that were actually in the institution where I was, chess, checkers. That's a, that's a life skill, chess and checkers? Wait, I'm not done. <laughs> um, quilt. Quilting? Knitting. Now, here... Oh, that's that, a delightful that, picture of Mr. Carrick. You're a fairly large fellow. I'm, I'm trying to picture you in the quilting class in the prison. And I, I think all my listeners have a big smile on their face. That they're, they're, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to imagine these hardened criminals, uh, you know, all sitting around in a quilting bee. And it's a, it's a little bit of a stretch. Okay, I just want to put on the record, I didn't attend this quilting class. But... But there are other classes, and this is extremely important. Mm -hmm. There's, and, and I know we got to go to break. So well, we, we got to go to break. Let's pick it up on the other side because I do want to talk about rehabilitation and what we know works and does not work. So we have to take our last break. Uh, we'll be right back after this short intermission. You're listening to the Costa Report. love creating salads as much as you enjoy eating them? Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Dole inspires fresh and wholesome dishes for any meal with their wide selection of salad blends and all-natural salad kits. From the mild and tender texture of sweet butter lettuce to the crunch of classic romaine sprinkled with colorful shredded carrots and red cabbage, Dole has over 30 salad blends to satisfy every palate. If you're looking for the ultimate in convenience, try Dole's unique salad kit combinations that include farm-fresh lettuces and vegetables, mouth-watering all-natural toppings, and specially made dressings. It's all you need to make a distinctively delicious salad. The possibilities are endless. Visit www.dolesalads.com for recipes and other ideas to feed your culinary imagination. Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmit it. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever-increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage, allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash bigdata today. That's www.ibm.com slash big data. Are things getting a little messy around the office? 
At Coast Paper and Supply, we'll meet all your janitorial needs. Mops, dusters, disinfectants? We got them. Can't get rid of that smell in the break room? Try our deodorizer. Carpet stains? We have a cure for that, too. While you're at it, pick up the essentials. Garbage cans and liners, sponges and brooms. Is your company going green? Coast Paper and Supply is offering earth-friendly cleaning and food service alternatives. Our ever-evolving stock includes compostable bowls, plates, cups, and cutlery. Not to mention eco-friendly cleaners and biodegradable trash can liners, all at the lowest possible price. So come visit Coast Paper and Supply at 151 Josephine Street, or look us up at coastpapersupplyinc.com. You can also call us at 831-423-3350. That's 831-423-3350. It's always open house at the Mike Young Real Estate Hour, and you are always invited to walk right in and join the discussion. Hello, I am Mike Young, and I love talking real estate with all the experts and with you. So get a jump on the Real Estate Weekend every Friday, 7 p.m. on the Mike Young Real Estate Hour. Right here on Listen and Be Heard Radio KSCO. The Mike Young Real Estate Hour is brought to you by Thunderbird Real Estate, Real People Selling Real Estate, by Rick Williams at American Pacific Mortgage, and by Steve Manville at Farmers Insurance. Friday at 7. See you then. Ed Robertson inviting you to join us for the next edition of TV Confidential. Sunday morning from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. here on KSCO AM 1080 in Santa Cruz. Phil Grace will join us for a special holiday edition featuring highlights of the early broadcast of the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade as well as other vintage Thanksgiving TV programs. That's TV Confidential every Sunday morning from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on AM 1080 KSCO. Listen and be heard. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest today is former Corrections and Police Commissioner for the City of New York, Mr. Bernard Carrick. In the in the time that we've got left today, let's talk about your fourth and final area of focus in the area of criminal justice reform, and that's uh, what you call restoration. So you were just beginning to speak about the long-term consequences of being incarcerated and the fact that it's very difficult to return to normal life, to get a credit card, to get a mortgage, um, you know, to, to get a job, to become a taxpayer again. Um, uh, so I, I, wanted to, I wanted to give you the opportunity to finish that thought. And, and here's where I was going. You know, they, in, in those adult continuing education classes, in addition to quilting and chess and all the other interesting things, uh, courses that they have, they have people convicted of, say, real estate fraud that teach real estate, uh, which is sort of a hypocrisy. They put you in prison for a real estate violation, then you have, then they, they basically teach 30 convicted felons about real estate. Well, the reality is that's a hypocrisy in itself, but you could teach those guys how to be master realtors but the reality is they can't get a real estate license. You can teach them how to be accountants. They can't be accountants because they can't get licensed. In the state of New York and other states around the country, you can't get a job as a garbage man if it's regulated by a city or state if you have a felony conviction. So we have a major problem. Even if you think you have recidivism-reducing programs in a prison and you have things that may help these prisoners, the system contradicts its own mission statement when they get out because that felony conviction hangs over their head for eternity. I had a, I had a young man that sold a pair of night vision goggles on eBay, a United States Marine, at 21 years old. Um, he didn't even know it was against the law, what he was doing. They put him in prison for three years. If that kid lives to be 120, he's still the collateral consequence of that conviction never goes away. He's still a convicted felon. So they need, at some point, you pay your debt to society. As it stands right now today in the criminal justice system, that debt's never paid. It goes on forever. So they've got to end that. They've got to give full civil and constitutional rights restoration back to these men and women and less under the most extreme circumstances. You know, if they're murderers, if they're rapists, child predators, okay, I get it. 
but some guy that sold a whale's tooth on eBay or was convicted of, you know, enhances enhancing his income on a mortgage application, you're going to prevent that guy or that woman from working for the rest of their lives. It's wrong. The punishment is supposed to fit the crime based on the Constitution. And as it stands right now today in the criminal justice system in America, that's not the case. You are punished for life with a felony conviction. It's, I'm going to steal a line from Tavis Smiley uh, that he gave me the other day. He says there, there's a highway to becoming a convict, and there's a sidewalk out. And I, and I think that sums it up. I mean, we're, 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 we've got 25% of the, uh, the prison population of the world incarcerated. We've got guys that are selling night vision goggles on eBay uh, parked right next to, you know, hardened criminals. Worse, worse than that, I'm going to go to the other side of the extreme. We do not, and I, and, and I know about this because this is, this is in my wheelhouse, we do not know how to re- rehabilitate a hardened murder. We don't know how to rehabilitate a child molester. We don't have the science and technology to do that. I just think we have to be honest about that. Those people should never be let out. Well, we can't fix you know, what's it, wrong with them. <laughs> and, and that's the problem. You know, we, you know, you can say it. Uh, people within the criminal justice system don't want to admit it. Um, but the bottom line is, and, and I can tell you, from a staff's perspective, the people that that work in the federal prison system, when I speak to them, you know, when I spoke to them personally, privately, um, they, they don't disagree with anything I'm saying. They watch these lives, these men and women sit in these facilities and basically rot um, for years on end over nonsense. Nonsense. When there's a way to hold them, that commercial fisherman that caught too many fish, find him. Find him. So spend his license. Take his fish. Take his fish for a week. Whatever. But no. Well, why we not Why it. not have him do public service work? We have roads that are breaking down, bridges that are breaking down. We keep hearing every election year about the infrastructure breaking down. Why not put people to work? Yeah, you know what, Rebecca? What about the doctors that uh, commit the billing errors in this in this welfare stuff? You know what? Good doctors that did something bad financially. You know what? How many communities in the country need doctors, especially in this day and age? That's right. I'd rather. I don't want them in. I don't want them in prison. I want them to work in a free clinic for the next That's ten right. years. That's I mean, exactly let's get right. some benefit out of this. Lawyers, doctors. All these people, we're just sticking away on regulatory violations. We stick them in prison, turn them into convicted felons, and they can't come back to work. They they don't have a license. Yeah, this is this just this is just so backwards. Listen, before we we uh, really do run out of time, how's your reassimilation going? Uh, uh, listen, I'm I'm focused on criminal justice reform uh, i'm uh, you know I, my second my book just came out uh, a few months ago um we're, i'm doing a bunch of different things uh but i can tell you i am not doing what i used to do uh, i can't travel internationally i'm still on probation um it's <laughs> I, I i hope i hope that the you know you know what i'm hoping right now i hope that the uh, president of the Monterey College of Law, who is a sponsor of this program, Mitch Winnick, is listening to this, and I hope he'll go to work for you for free and uh, and and get those restrictions lifted. If anybody can do it, I've got I've got faith in Mitch Winnick. Now, now, uh, where can people go to get this book from Jailer to Jailed? Which I want to warn our listeners is a real page turner, and if they're like me, do not start this book at night, late at night. Do not, don't make that mistake because you're not going to get any sleep and, and you'll be up at three in the morning thinking I'm just one more chapter, one more chapter. Where can they go to get this book? Uh, Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, and, uh, you know, pretty much any bookstore at this point. And do you have a website where they can uh, get more information about what, you, what uh, your activities are? Yes, org. 
Okay, well, that is that is all the time that we've got today. But before we say goodbye, I want to thank you for your ongoing work on reforming our prisons and for your service to our country. Thank you, Mr. Carrick. Thanks, Rebecca. Bye-bye. If your station is leaving us after the first hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Bernard Carrick, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And if you missed the full interview with Mr. Carrick or any of our other guests, you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from Apple iTunes, Podbean, our YouTube channel, and also our website at RebeccaCosta.com. That's where you'll find videos, up-to-date technology and science information, as well as the book GOP Presidential Hopeful, Donald Trump, wants you to read. Here's what Donald Trump says about the Watchman's Rattle. Quote, Rebecca Costa has written a riveting examination of our world's most dire and complex issues. Her message for mankind is ultimately hopeful. One, it's a hopeful one as she explores her fascinating theory about the brain's ability to develop advanced problem-solving techniques in times of crisis. A must-read. But even if you're not a fan of Trump, you won't be disappointed because the book is 100% nonpartisan. But don't take my word for it. Take a moment to read what Tom Hartman, Trudy Styler, E.O. Wilson, Dr. James Watson, the scientists credited with discovering the double helix of DNA have to say. So, so whether you lean to the left or the right or you're somewhere in between like I am, get your copy of the Watchman's Rattle before the opportunity to get an autographed copy has passed you by. Do it now. Go to RebeccaCosta.com. Only takes a few minutes and you'll be glad you did. Our guest next week was unable to confirm prior to airtime today. So please check with your local station to find out who our producers are keeping under wraps. And if it makes you feel any better, they don't even let yours truly know until they have the guest confirmed. But rest assured, whoever it is, it'll be another deep dive into a topic that mainstream media isn't covering. So join us next week on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for another hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to The Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.